Amen. So uh, Genesis chapter 23, verse 1 says, Sarah lived 127 27 years. Uh, these were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, uh, that is uh, Hebron, uh, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So a sad point uh, in Abraham's life, uh, obviously losing his wife. And uh, he uh, you know, it's the end of Sarah's journey here on earth. And uh, interestingly, uh, this is Sarah is the only woman uh, where the age is given at, their, at her death. So um, as we as we go through that, just a, uh, kind of a neat side thing there. So um, so some important moments in Sarah's life uh, that we'll probably remember as we're, we move on from studying her. Um, for the most part, we're going to see her her sprinkled throughout the scripture here and there, uh, some references. But um, for the most part, we're going to move on from a regular study with her being one of the main um, lives that we're studying. So she had some not flattering moments uh, where she uh, we have record of her treating uh, Hagar harshly because uh, she uh, was was jealous of her. And uh, when uh, there were circumstances uh, that came from her uh, recommending to Abraham that they take things into their own hands and uh, that she takes uh, Hagar uh, over her and uh, that uh, Abraham uh, produces a baby with her and that that would be her baby. And that creates a whole uh, bunch of problems and different dynamics for them. So. Uh, those are some of the lower moments for her. Also, we see the Lord uh, addressing her laughter and disbelief when uh, she finally hears that the Lord is going to um, uh, bless her with a child in her old age. And uh, she gets to a point where uh, she hears that and laughs. And it's uh, as we see, there's a different laugh than what happened with Abraham. And we studied that. So uh, but we know she's also very honored in the scripture. First uh, Peter three verses five and six says, uh, "For in this manner, in former times, the holy women uh, who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror." So that. Uh, she, she's used as as an example there uh, by Peter as he was writing as somebody who uh, can be looked to uh, in as a lesson in obedience. And uh, also uh, he says that, uh, you know, whose daughters you are if uh, you do good. So uh, that's that's quite a compliment for her. Now, Isaiah 51 verses one and two say, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which uh, you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. You know, Sarah is mentioned by Isaiah also. So she's also honored in the scripture, and it's so gracious of our father uh, to point out and to honor uh, her. And we know that there are times in our lives that, uh, you know, are we are we worthy of the honor that he gives us? 
uh, only because of his grace and mercy, only because of what he's done in our life. If we've done things and we're conducting our lives in a, in a, uh, uh, a manner that's honorable, it's because of him. You know, it's not because we're just jolly good people that uh, um, want to do things uh, good for his name. It's it's his spirit working in us. That's that's where we find uh, what's honorable in our lives. So verse three, then Abraham stood up uh, from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Now, even to this day, the Jews bury their dead on the day that they die. Uh, we don't, we do the embalming uh, and we do that whole process. But when somebody is dead, they carry them and they bury them. Um, and that's what we see in the scripture. When she died, it was, I need to bury her now. And then there's this business transaction that's about to happen. That's very interesting. Um, so, uh, you know, Abraham asks for a place uh, to be able to go bury Sarah. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham and said, Hear us, Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of your burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place that you may bury your dead. Now, they're, they're saying this out of respect, and, and they're respecting him at this point, and uh, they do uh, throughout this chapter. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth, and he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me at the full price as property for a burial place among you. So they graciously and respectfully come to Abraham, uh, respond to Abraham's request and uh, are uh, saying, yes, you know, we, we just want to bless you. You just let us know what you need, what you want. We're going to make that happen, you know, in our, in our days. So they're, they're being very cordial and respectful to him. So Abraham makes it a point and says that, no, he'll pay the full price uh, for uh, a specific place that he was desiring. And, um, you know, from having dwelt there, Abraham knew of a place that he wanted and he inquired of it specifically. Uh, was that a special place uh, for them that uh, maybe they watched a sunrise or maybe there was something special there or he just loved that place? It was he knew of a very specific spot where uh, he that he inquired of. So uh, verse 10, now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth. All who entered at the gate of this of his city, saying, uh, "No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of my son, the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead." Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, "If you will give it, please hear me. I will give you." Money for the field, take it from me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron uh, answered Abraham, saying to him, My lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. 
So what we see, what's happening, what's taking place between verses 10 and 15 are typical negotiations uh, for the circumstance. He's being very respectful, but what they would often do is offer it for free um, with the uh, expectation and the hope that somebody's going to, no, I'll buy it from you. So, hey, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to offer it for free. And and uh, what comes out here, it, you know, it's customary to kindly offer it for free. Um and then as the other person would insist, there would there would be this ceremonial type uh, process. And uh, so there's an offer here. And, you know, after uh, the other would insist on paying, uh, they would mention a price uh, and work from there. And, and he even says, you know, what is that again, uh, you know, between you and me? And and uh, it's what he's this is just a, a respectful negotiation. So he offers uh, to sell it to him. And uh, Abraham, as we see here, uh, accepts as we move forward and pays him, and it, it all takes place. So th what, what Abraham wants to do is make this purchase legally binding. He wants to own that, um, and I think any of us would want to. Uh, you don't, you don't want to be borrowing something, and I mean, we're talking about a burial place here. So he, he wants to own it. Abraham's not worried. He, the Lord had blessed him tremendously. He's not worried about the finances or anything. He wants a nice place to bury his wife. And verse 16, and Abraham listened to Ephron and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Sheth, of, of Heth, uh, 400 shekels of silver, which is a lot of money, um, currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, uh, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within the surrounding borders, uh, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in uh, went in at the gate of the city. So this is all paid in full. He paid in silver, uh, which says was the currency of the merchants. And uh, the field, the cave, the trees, and everything inside that area now belonged to Abraham. He bought the whole area. That's all a special place for him. And he was given a, given a title deed, that which was turned over to him, and he's now the rightful owner. This all happened at the gate of the city, and, and we've learned through our studies that's where business would take place. That's where the city rulers would be, uh, and it was uh, where a lot of government rule would happen. So they were there at the gate of the city. Verse 19. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, uh, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial, pl burial place. So it legally belongs to Abraham. Now he can lay his wife to rest and it turns into a very significant uh, burial place for Abraham and his de descendants, uh, the patriarchs. Uh, uh, Isaac and Ishmael were both uh, buried, uh, both buried uh, Abraham there. And uh, Isaac and Rebekah were both buried there. Jacob and Leah were buried there in Genesis 49, and Jacob buried uh, Joseph buried J Jacob there also in Genesis 50. So it becomes a family um, a burial ground. Now, if you go to um, 
a lot of uh, just uh, cemeteries, you can see that uh, sometimes a whole family will buy a whole area. Now, uh, this is yours did. Yeah. So you, you have a spot where uh, there because you want to be buried next to the loved ones. And I get it. I um, I'm sorry. I kind of take a very light approach to that. You know, my wife and I were talking about, do you want to be buried? Man, I don't care. I'm not here. You know, and, and I get it. Um, you know, you want those things to be known, but uh, whatever, you know, whatever's easiest and I, I, I burn it, bury it, whatever. Uh, you know, and, and I've heard some really foolish, um, uh, weird, weird things about, um, uh, uh, cremation. And uh, oh, what if you're cremated and your ashes are spread uh, in the ocean? Can can God bring your body? Can he resurrect your body? Yes! He made this world from nothing. He can do whatever he wants to. If he needs a spare part or whatever, then that's fine. So he's he's not limited. So. Oh, right. Yeah. It's not going to confuse God. <laughs> yeah, you know, if somebody has a, you know, pancreas or something of something, I don't know if you do a pancreas, yeah, whatever, a body plant, you know, the, the the Lord can do what he wants. I mean, he he took a rib out of Aunt, out of uh, Adam and made Eve, you know. I it's it's uh there's nothing that's going to limit him. There's nothing like, "Oh, oh, God's going to look, Ugh, can't help you there. Sorry. You know, I'm going to have to, you know, do whatever you're, you know, sorry about your luck." You know, so yeah, there are just some little things there. Uh, you know, there's also been um, questions, and I loved Chuck Smith's question, uh, response to a, a question where they said, "In the resurrection, you know, we're in heaven. Are we going to know who each other are?" And, and Chuck's like, "Well, I hope we're not dumber in heaven than we are here." You know, and I'm like, "That is perfect. That is perfect." You know, and, and just, that to me, that's one of those things. But the to them and their family is very important. So Abraham buried Sarah there. Um, in uh, Genesis 25, Isaac and Ishmael uh, buried uh, their father, Abraham, there. And uh, and then we saw that uh, Isaac and Rebekah, uh, Jacob buried uh, Leah there, and Joseph buried Jacob there. So very significant place in Israel's history. Um, so that uh, it, it's not just a, a mention here and everything. You know, whatever's in the scriptures there for a reason. And uh, we see uh, for their family and for Israel's history, this is a significant place and it's a significant uh, occurrence. So Genesis 24, as we move into 24, the what we're discussing and going over is uh, a bride for Isaac. And uh, I love this chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in the scripture and um, very blessed by it. There are a lot of lessons of God's provision, uh, lessons about faith and uh, obedience uh, in this uh, lesson. So uh, for many involved, it's we can learn from so many different people uh, and, and different uh, sides of each scenario that we that, that it was just we're just pulling things out. So it's always been a very intriguing chapter for me. So Genesis 24, verse one. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age. Now, if you have a King James version, it will say well stricken in age. And uh, um, John Nesbitt uh, years ago attended here. Uh, he moved. He moved, uh, and uh, and his attendance attended at another church now. But Paul Reynolds, uh, who is now with the Lord, 
um, John and Paul had a special relationship, and uh, they would tease. You know, uh, John always liked to tease Paul, and he'd say, "Well, you're old and stricken with years," because Paul was, you know, and, and I think in late, he's probably in his sixties, and 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 uh, here was uh, here was John, probably in his you know late twenties, and you know, little little trying to rib him a little bit. Well, you're old and stricken with years, but they had a precious relationship together. And uh, he would he would always say that I had to share that uh, just uh, in honor of of uh, of Paul's life. And uh, so when I saw that, I'm like, I got to share it. So now Abraham was old, well advanced in years and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had. Please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son uh, from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family, and I will take a wife uh, and uh, take a wife for my son Isaac. So we're nearing in our study the end of Abraham's life, and he's well advanced in years, and he had been blessed tremendously by the Lord and he takes his oldest servant and uh, we don't know the name of this but it's possible that Eleazar might still be around uh, and if it was that's an interesting um, uh, interesting thought of, of itself where um, and we'll get into that here uh, just down the road by the meaning of Eleazar's name <clears throat> excuse me but uh, we don't know who it is, but he takes his oldest servant, and uh, we know that this servant is somebody that Abraham trusted with everything that he had because everything that he had was under this servant. So he was a faithful steward. He was one that was in charge of taking care of somebody else's uh, belongings, and uh, that, uh, as, you, uh, as we'll see here, uh, was not something that he took lightly that he was very serious about uh, his job and his responsibilities. So he tells him to put your, he says, put your hand under my thigh. Now, as a customary procedure in a solemn oath, uh, the servant was binding himself to the promise. And we'll see in Genesis 47, Joseph did the same uh, as uh, he was his, he had to put his hand under Jacob's thigh. Now, um, this was a Hebrew custom uh, where uh, it was to swear uh, this. I don't mean for it to be weird, um, but they would swear on circumcision and um, that uh, that it would be a mark of God's covenant. And uh, the idea was swearing on one's loins um, is, is found in the culture as well. So there are. Uh, teachings that would say that they would, um, and I don't mean to be graphic, but actually put their hands on that person's genitals. I like the other Hebrew tradition uh, where you just put your hand under their thigh. I personally like that for personal reasons, but I wanted to share that because this was a very um, a solemn thing, a very, uh, a very um, serious uh, oath and, and promise that was being made, and whether they did whatever, uh, it wasn't in an in an inappropriate manner. There wasn't this. If that was to take place, it wasn't uh, a, a homosexual act or anything like that. It was this was a, um, a part of a solemn oath. 
So, uh, I, like I said, I would prefer the, the other Hebrew uh, tradition that says that they put their hand on their thigh. Regardless, that's, uh, we know that this was a solemn oath that was um, uh, being taken here. Now, things are different here in America, uh, coming uh, from uh, as a uh, retired uh, military guy, uh, when I took a solemn oath to uh, defend this uh, country against all enemies, foreign and domestic, uh, I raised my right hand. And any of you uh, may have taken uh, oaths, maybe in, even in a court of law, there would be a hand put on a Bible and a hand risen and saying, do you swear to tell the truth? And nothing but the truth shall help you, God. I do. And then they go to, on the stand. So there's that. This isn't a light thing that's happening here. This is a very powerful, uh, powerful thing here. So um, we're a little bit different here. And, and um, as we see a shift through the scriptures, when you get to a point like in the, in the New Testament where James in chapter 5 is, is addressing saying, you know, when, when we're swearing, when we're making an oath, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, that would have definitely sufficed uh, for Abraham and uh, this servant uh, because of the trust that he had in him. But this was a, a very solemn uh, promise, and they had a specific way of, of doing this. So, uh, But as Christians, uh, that I've always told my kids, you know, Dad, <clears throat> excuse me, I swear, I promise, uh, just girls. The scripture tell us tells us you know let our yes be yes and our no be no, and and that would go for everything in our house. The girls are very familiar with that. You know, Jen and I have always shared that with them that we are to be men and women of our word. Yes is yes, no is no. If we say we're going to do something, we're now bound to that and we do it, whether we really want to do it or not. Uh, you know, if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, and in practical terms, uh, I could say, hey, uh, you know, oh, hey, John, you want to help me move? Sure. You know, <laughs> do I want to? Yeah. You know, uh, when you have a truck, uh, you, you get that. You know, uh, my brother and I uh, have moved. Uh, my oldest brother and I have moved uh, things uh, several times. And we're both like, yeah, let's do it. You know, and and uh, we just do whatever it is. And, and uh, but if, if we've committed to something, uh, that person's relying upon us. So let our yes be yes and our no be no, that we would be found as this servant was to be uh, people of our word that can be depended upon. So, uh, you know, the oath is related uh, <clears throat> uh, to the servant uh, not taking a wife from the Canaanites, is what we see here in verse 3, but from a member of Abraham's family. So this very solemn <clears throat> oath that is being taken was regarding, I need you to go get a wife for my son, but uh, it can't be from the place where we're dwelling. I want you to go back. Uh, now, you, if you remember, Genesis 22 uh, ended with introducing Rebecca to us. If you if you don't remember, just turn back to Genesis 22, and you'll see that the last, uh, I think, three or four verses end with Nahor, um, Abraham's brother, being introduced, and uh, and Rebecca. So they're introduced because they're going to become uh, very significant here as we move forward. So. Uh, He's told to not, uh, and I'll, he says in verse 3, And I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, uh, among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my people, 
and take a wife from my son Isaac. So uh, as we move forward in verse 5, and the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me uh, to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Now you shall take, this is a, this is, this is prophecy that's happening here. Um, in, at the end of verse seven and in verse eight, it says, and if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from the oath. Only, uh, do not take my son back there now. So there, this actually is a prophecy that he ends up saying here that he will, um, he will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for for my son there, but if you know, to ease your mind, if somebody's not, then don't worry about it. But this is going to happen. Uh, God is going to go before you. His angel is going to prepare your way, and you shall take a wife for my son there. So the servant has a valid question, and I love Abraham's response. Uh, you know, very pointed instructions, and uh, but the, in those instructions are to not take Isaac back. Isaac stayed in the promised land his entire life. Spent his whole life in the promised land, which is really neat. So Abraham declares that God was very specific uh, when he told Abraham uh, that he would uh, give him the land of Canaan. Uh, he didn't forget that, and Abraham uh, believed that. That's why he could say uh, that, uh, no, th this this is going to happen, and uh, that, that uh, God was going to take care of this and uh, that he would give them this land. There wasn't a question of uh, whether that was going to be their land. God already said that that was going to be their land. So Abraham assured his servant that this was a spiritual thing and that God was going to set it all up. And what we'll see is that he does. And uh, he does reassure him, hey, if, if she doesn't come, you're released from the oath. Uh, so no matter what happened, Isaac was not to go with him uh, back to his his land. Verse 9. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him uh, concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, uh, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, uh, to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, then uh, the time when the women go to draw water. Then he said, O oh Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this you will know, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So uh, he's obe obedient uh, to Abraham, and he went as he was, he was, he was told to. And uh, we know that he's trustworthy, and Abraham demonstrated that 
uh, in that in, in calling him to carry uh, this very important task and mission out. It wasn't, this isn't something like if you got the guy that you're not really sure, like if you tell the guy, Hey, will you go to mow, mow the lawn today? And three days later, the lawn isn't mowed. Uh, and you're constantly saying, uh, Hey, can you go empty the grain out? And you got to keep telling three or four. That's not the guy he's going to send. He's going to send the one that has been most, most faithful to him. And we learned that that is the one that is the oldest in his house. Uh, so it, as you see in, in verse 10 there, it says that uh, that all of his master's goods were in his hand. So he uh, displayed a great amount of love and devotion to, to Abraham and Isaac. We'll see here as we're looking at this, look at the devotion and love uh, for uh, for Isaac and for Abraham. And he's praying to God. And what does he pray for? He prays for success. He says, you know, make this trip successful for, for me. Not, hey, Lord, make this successful so I can get back and get paid extra, get my you know, Christmas bonus or whatever it is. No, what he's, he knows that this is a very serious thing, and he wants to bless. And so he has a great love uh, for uh, Abraham and for Isaac. And he wants to do what he was sent out to do. And this is a very good lesson in servanthood here that, uh, you know, God would bless what we do to benefit those in authority over us. Uh, sometimes that's easier uh, said uh, for, for somebody to say this. It's um, an easy thing for us to want uh, somebody, maybe even our boss, to be blessed. Yeah, and other times it's like, yeah, 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 I really want them blessed. Because, you know, we, we may not have a personal like for the boss. But it's important to understand that that person is in that position in our life because God has placed them there and he has placed us where we're at. So that we would, as servants, uh, many of us work. If you're retired, then uh, we can preach this and we can share this uh, wherever we are and, and demonstrate this in any way. Uh, we can pray for you know our uh, leaders in our, our, our towns and in our state and in our, our, our government, we're, we're called, it's biblical to do so, that we, would, uh, that we would pray for them and that God would lead and guide them. He also prays for God to show kindness to Abraham. So there's a tremendous lesson in faith uh, and praying uh, for, for others. You know, I think uh, for us, he could have said, Lord, just give me success, and, and that's it. But he is very pointed in his prayer. And he says, oh, Lord God of my master, Abraham, give me success this day and show kindness to my master, Abraham. Behold, here, and, and, and that's what he wants. Uh, and, and then he goes on to say uh, specifically, and, and we'll get into a little bit more commentary on his prayer as this develops. But he has a, a great love for them, uh, for, for Abraham, and he's praying for Abraham. And he asks God to confirm by this specific thing, when I get to when I'm uh, now that I'm at the well, uh, when they come out, when the daughters of the, the men of the city come out, uh, because it's the end of the day, they're not going to come out in the heat of the day. They've got to carry things. So uh, often come out in the morning or evening. But here it's at evening. And uh, as they're coming out, he is at the end of his day and he's thirsty and everything. And they're there and he he gets to a specific point. And remember, don't forget the fact that Abraham said that the angel uh, God was going to send his angel out to to uh, you know, work this out. Think of he went to the exact same spot, and what we're going to see here is the exact same time that he needed to be there. God doesn't make mistakes. God, God is is very much control in this situation. 
there are times where we will pray for confirmation, and that's part of what he's doing here. You might remember Gideon. You know, Gideon, uh, right before uh, going uh, to battle against um, uh, the Midianites, uh, he's uh, Gideon himself, the fifth judge of Israel, and uh, uh, he's about to go into battle uh, against the Midians, and he asks God. Uh, so he he goes about it in kind of a weird way. Um, where there's a fleece and he puts a fleece out and uh, he's asking for the ground to be dry and the fleece wet one night and then the opposite the next night that the uh, the fleece would be dry and the ground would be wet and that was his way of of uh, asking the Lord to confirm and you know there are times that we're going to do that and because of us we need the confirmation but it's not necessarily the that uh, that the Lord has to prove anything to us. But he he'll he'll work with us, you know. He'll say, "Okay, you need to know this. I'll do what you need." Um, my encouragement to you is: yes, sometimes we need to do that and ask for confirmation. But that can also uh, create a stumbling block for us, where we start doing that for everything, you know, and it starts getting out of control. Well, I I didn't know if I really, you know, uh, you know, I felt you know the Lord was really telling me, you know, my my neighbor just broke their leg and and uh, we just got. Uh, you know, eight inches of snow, and you know, I I wonder if the Lord, Lord, are you really telling me to go shovel the driveway next door? Yes, grab the shovel, put your hat on, and go outside. Right? That we can get like that. Um, I've had uh, I, I remember having a conversation with a woman that um, she uh, this was years ago. I think we were in in Washington State at the time, and she's like, "Yep, you know, I always pray for the Lord to to give me the the best parking spot in the place," and and she's like, "Oh." happens i'm okay so what happens if it's not does god hate you you see what i mean there, there can be these weird things that that people will let their day get all twisted up and sometimes the obvious answer the answer is obvious it's right in front of us you know so don't get to a, a point where if we know the lord is calling us to do something then ask him and some uh, uh, then uh, sorry then then just move forward and if we don't if we're trying to figure that out then ask him and he'll prove himself he'll show yes I'm, I'm i'm confirming that through you that might come through conversation with a brother or sister it might come through wait a minute somebody walking up to us at church saying hey the lord laid it on my heart just to just to support you and that that he wants you to move in that direction whatever that was that it like that's that and if you if you think that's something light that's a modern day miracle that's god speaking to a brother or sister or using us to speak to them and just confirming something and that we just need to be faithful servants and share that hey you know what you came up you know uh, you were on my heart yesterday i prayed for you and you know when we share those things and when those things happen do it Pray for them, but uh, uh, just just know that sometimes the answer is right in front of us, and we just need to move forward and, and do something, and the Lord's going to bless us. Don't get caught in the analysis paralysis stage, right, where, oh, I don't know if I can do this, do that. Um, I'll share this as briefly as I can. When we were moving back here, and I, forgive me if I've shared this before, but this is this was an easy one for me. I, uh, um, I, I was... So I was kind of an intern youth pastor for about two years over in Wall. It was kind of held, uh, you handed over to uh, Jen and I to to run the youth ministry over there um, uh, at the Calvary Chapel we were serving at, um, but not officially because that was still uh, the uh, our assistant pastor's job. But he had a lot going on and everything, so he was just like, "Man, it would really bless me if you guys." But when he moved on, he took a job at another church and. Uh, I, uh, 
that was that position was offered to me. You know, we officially be the youth pastor. Sure, you know, and um, and then uh, within a few months or so, probably three four months later, uh, we ended up moving back uh, to uh, to to Maine. And uh, probably two weeks later, I get a call from our senior pastor over there, and and uh, he said, "Hey, John, calling to offer you a full time job uh, as my assistant pastor here at the church." I'm like, I just drove three thousand miles, you know, and I'm trying to figure it out. And um, we had, like I said, just gotten back, and when we got back here, we we just wanted to get plugged into Calvary. And so we started going up in Orrington. We were living in, uh, actually we weren't even living in Bangor at the time. We were still at my, uh, my dad's house and, uh, we had Madison. She was about six months old and I'm like, I have no, did I just totally mistake? You know, like what did I just do? Like, uh, did I not hear from the Lord? I mean, this is a big move, 3000 miles. I mean, my brother flew out we drove across the country, uh, for 48 full hours. You know, we didn't stop. And, um, the flying and you know our, our goods were just moved back here I think they already had just arrived like everything the, the move was complete and I'm going did this so I, I went into Ken Graves office and I'm like what's going on here and he's like that's pretty interesting you know and and we're talking and he's like John the Lord as you follow him the Lord's gonna bless you if you go left or right you know as you make he's he's you're not gonna be outside as long as you're seeking him uh, you're not going to somehow weasel your way outside the will of God if you're asking him to lead and guide you. He's going to bless you wherever you go. And I was, okay. And I had to call back and say, I I have to believe that the Lord called us back here uh, and that we're going to stay here. But I got to that point. I didn't know what to do. So we could seek counsel. We could do some of those things. It's just important for us to not get in that because that could have tortured me. And it kind of did for a little bit, to be honest. I'm like, my goodness, I'd love to do, a, you know, full-time ministry and all those things. And the Lord had a different plan. And, uh, you know, I finished my military career and, and just we ended up coming down here uh, within a year. Uh, probably six months later, we started down here. And, uh, you know, we're still here 20-something years later. So uh, there are times that we uh, need to uh, ask the Lord to help us. But, you know, let's not get caught in analysis paralysis and slow everything down and put everything to a halt. You know, sometimes we just need to move forward and just do what we need to do. Verse 15, and it happened before he had finished speaking. That's important. So how many times have we convinced ourselves, I don't think I've prayed about it enough. I don't know if I've earned enough favor with God for him to hear me, right? I don't know if that's you guys, but we can get to that point. Like, I have I done enough? Have I, have I, have I really, um, did I, did I fast? Did I pray? Did I do all these things? You know, and, and uh, this guy doesn't even get to finish his prayer. Reminds me all the way back looking at Nehemiah in front of uh, King Artaxerxes. It was an instant prayer. You know, his life could have been in jeopardy. When Artaxerxes saw the sorrow on, on Nehemiah's face, when Nehemiah heard of what it, what the, the ruins uh, of Jerusalem and his, his counsel was just so down, Artaxerxes, does, you know, back then, if, if you made the king, uh, you know, a little off in their feeling for the day, off with your head. They could be that easy. And, he, and Nehemiah is scared and he prays within himself. Then the Lord answers the prayer. Let it just, let's not put prayer in a box. The Lord knows what we need before we ask it. 
This guy here wants Abraham to be blessed. And before he can finish the prayer, look what happens. Now, And it happened before he had finished speaking that, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a drink of water, uh, a drink of a little water from your pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let down her pitcher uh, uh, let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, uh, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the woman, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord uh, had made his journey prosperous or not. I love this portion. This is one of my favorite portions. He didn't even get to finish his prayer. And God's, God's like, boom. Oh, you mean this? You want me to confirm it? Boom, right here. I, I love it so much. And uh, this beautiful young woman who's a virgin, now back in those days, she probably was uh, you know, high on the list of all the all the the, the people at um at uh, you know whatever local high school or you know jokingly they didn't have but uh you know the, all all the men of wherever are going that that's her that's I wonder if that's her and and uh, it, it, it just their hearts are going to be broken right here and uh, she comes up and it all plays out uh, like he prayed it would. You know, he was on an extremely important mission. Uh, no doubt, uh, you know, at this point, he had, had just took his nerves and pushed them aside and, and, and prayed to the Lord. And, uh, you know, God answers. And we see here a lot. There, there's a lot that I'll try to move for because I really want to finish this chapter. Uh, so we find out that it, the young woman that comes out is Rebecca, Abraham's niece. So it came from Nahor, Abraham's brother. Uh, she came, not yet, but she. Uh, and uh, she came out with a pitcher on her shoulder, and uh, she gets to the well, and she filled her pitcher, and the servant runs to meet her. And he just says, well, you know, can I have a drink of water? And she hurries and lets it down. And we see uh, the, the servant heart in Rebecca here. She's so willing to help this man. And, uh, you know, he, he gets a drink. She says, oh, drink. And then she quickly let the pitcher down, it says. Um, and when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also. God answered the prayer to the to the T. You know, it's, it's right there. Right, right down to the most minute of detail. I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Look at verse 20 and tell me you're not blessed. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well uh, to draw water and drew for all his camels. She loved, she just loved to serve people. This is a woman with a, a giant heart to, to bless somebody who's there. She's being, uh, you know, very, uh, a very good hostess. And uh, very loving towards this mission. She doesn't know him at all. Guy asks for a drink of water, and she's all about hurrying. Hurry to get this down. Hurry, fill the water up, and 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 uh, take care of these things. 
quickly doing these things. Look at verse 21. And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. You know, he's watching intently. You know, is is this the one? And uh, and we, uh, we see here, let's just keep reading verse 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden uh, nose ring weighing half a shekel and two uh, bracelets for her wrist weighing 10 shekels of gold and said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, uh, is there room in your father's house for me to lodge? So she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, uh, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, uh, we have both feed uh, straw and feed enough uh, to room uh, and room to lodge. I mean, this guy's the, think of how intently he's looking like. I mean, talk about holding your breath. I'm holding my breath thinking about it, you know. And he's just watching every move she's making. Okay, I prayed. For, I, I did pray for that, right? Maybe that's going through his mind. Like she gives me a drink, and then she's she's feeding the camels and everything. And okay, I've got to confirm this a little bit more. Or feeding, giving them a, a, a drink of water. I've got to go a little bit further here. And he goes, "So who are you?" And he's getting this nose ring out and these bracelets, these nice things. And and uh, she just tells him who who she is. Verse 26 says, Then the man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the God, Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. We'll get into his prayer here in, in, in just a moment. So when he saw all this take place, he grabs the nose ring and, and the bracelets. He, he smart man. He knew, you know, what's going to uh, make this lady happy. It's a joke, but you know, there, you know, there's some jewelry there, and he's he's presenting some jewelry to her. You know, seriously, uh, he was ready to bless her immensely, and uh, he asks who she was. She tells him, and uh, then you know, when he heard the magic words, he knew she was the one. And, uh, you know, God had answered his prayer and look at his prayer and the servant, you know, uh, here's the answer here. And he saw these things coming together and his, notice this joy isn't for him, but it's for Abraham. He said, blessed be the Lord God who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. He's so blessed on Abraham's behalf. I mean, think of the, the servanthood lessons that are contained in, in, in this chapter. Uh, it's it's you're getting a sense of uh, you know why I love this thing so much. There's so much in here for us to learn on every different level of somebody who's overseeing people. <coughs> Excuse me, somebody who is uh, the person being overseen. People that have to we're going to see demonstrate some faith and trust. There's a lot in here. So, uh, sorry, I got a little. So, as for me, God led me to where I needed to be. All of the things that are happening here are God's glory. God is being glorified through all this. He doesn't say, I knew it. I knew I came to the. And how often have we been like that? That's funny. We were playing um, Mario Brothers with uh, that, you know, as a family. Um, we uh, uh, sometimes will like to, we'll have a game night. And uh, last night was one of those. We rarely come across a night where we have, you know, one kid isn't this direction and one kid isn't here. And I'm, you know, so we had that, uh, had some time uh, last night to do. I think it was, last, yeah, it was last night. And, um, you know, we, we, we get a chance to play and sometimes, 
you know, we've been struggling so much to get past this uh, little area and, uh, you know, to defeat this castle or whatever. Finally, we get there and, you know, stand up and I'll look at them all. And, ah, you know, I got them. And, you know, we all kind of mess around. And, you know, it's it's uh, for us, we have to remind ourselves. I mean, this is that was just a joke playing around and, and everything. But when something big happens for us to make sure that God gets the credit and not us. You know, it's it's very important for us that, that God gets the glory in our lives and not us. Whenever we start trying to take the glory, we're always 100% that is a bad place to be. You know, glorify God and God alone. If we're being glorified, uh, that is a, a very bad place for us to be. And we must point to him. Uh, to ensure that God is the one that is glorified. This guy right here, blessed be the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brother, just like Abraham told him he would. God's going to send his angel, and you just go and do what I've told you to do, and everything's going to work out fine. Verse 28, so the young uh, woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out, ran to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebecca saying, thus the man spoke to me that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well, and he uh, said, come on, uh, sorry, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the, uh, the house and a place for your camels. So uh, we get introduced here to Laban, Rachel's brother, and his eye is immediately caught by the gold. Uh, and uh, that we may think I'm kind of just jumping on Laban a little bit. If you're familiar with this, Laban's a guy that was usually out for how he can gain from things. So we're getting a little bit of a glimpse into uh, into uh, Laban, but we'll get into that more. Um, so uh, when he sees those things, he runs to the servant uh, who's waiting at the well. And, uh, you know, it must have been a, uh, you know, as we see here from, uh, you know, as this uh, this servant is bowing down and he's praising the Lord, uh, Rebecca takes off. <laughs> and it might have been like, hey, wait right here. Or she might have been just so excited, like, uh, and she realizes she gets halfway home. She's like, I didn't even tell the guy where I'm going or anything. Whatever it was, there, there's a mutual understanding that he's waiting here and she's going to the house. And, uh, you know, she, she's out of there. She's so excited. And, you know, um, we'll, we'll get into more of Laban uh, in Genesis 26 and uh, we'll learn more about him. But uh, she runs back to the house and uh, she's telling everybody and um, what's going on here. And, and Laban uh, invites the man in and offers a place for him and his camels. Uh, and as would be, you know, customary if somebody doesn't have a place to stay for them to, uh, you know, offer uh, for them a place to stay. Hey, wash your feet and everything. You can stay out in the barn or whatever. If someone was passing by, didn't have a place to stay. So it wouldn't be um, overly crazy. Uh, but this was uh, more, this had, you know, more attached to it. So uh, just looking at Laban, uh, he's a, he's a, a deceitful in his doings. And uh, we'll see when we get to Genesis 20 um, that he uh, tricks uh, Jacob down the road into serving um, for 20 years. Spends 20 years of his life there. 
And uh, so there's a lot going on uh, when we get to uh, uh, Genesis 26. Then verse 32, then the man came to the house and he unloaded his camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, speak on. So this man uh, is so set on taking care of business that uh, and what he set out to do, he's not even going to eat until he says what he's there to do. Like, hey, great, thanks. I'm glad the spaghetti's on the table and everything. I don't mean to be rude, but you need to hear me out. You need to hear why why I'm here, and uh, you know it's another lesson we see here in obedience, uh, love, and prayer. You know we've seen uh, these things, so we've seen the love and the prayer being poured out, and we see a great deal of obedience uh, being uh, shown here, and uh, that he's steadfast to fulfill the call. He was called to go do these things. He's sent by Abraham to do those. Uh, and he wants he takes care of his camels. He gets the water uh, to take care of his men that are with him, so that they can wash their feet. Feet are definitely dirty uh, from uh, the, the the trip there. But before it's time to eat, I got to tell you why I'm here. This guy is all business. If you're running a business, this is the guy you want to hire to be your manager. Like if you own a business and you need like this is the guy. I mean this this is the one. You have a man or woman that conducts themselves like this, that's the one you want to hire. I can trust them with everything I got, and I know that even while they're there, they're not going to be out. Uh, I just remember, you know, as a young kid, uh, you know, working for a hardware store, I'd get bored doing stuff. And, you know, hey, can you put the paint on the shelf? And, yep, I'd, I'd do that for like 10 minutes, and I would get bored because I'm inside. It was the wrong job for me. It was, you know, and I was not being good, a, a good uh, employee, and uh, you know, it was like my second job I had. And I would go upstairs in the storage room, and I'd like try to find things to look at and everything. And that I, you don't want to hire me. I wouldn't have been the guy. This guy was meant all business. And when he was by himself and he was sent on this mission, he grabs the ten people, uh, the, grabs the guys with him, and and, and he goes and. Uh, He's now at the point where he's trying to nail this all down, and uh, he gets to the point where he tells him, I'm not going to eat until we've, I've told you about my errand, and he said, speak on, he being Laban. And we'll see here that Laban is the man of the house. Uh, verse 34, so he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. And now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife uh, for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose uh, land I dwell. But you shall go before my father's house, uh, and to my family, and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper you in the way, and you shall take a wife for my son, and uh, my son from my family, and from my father's house. 
You will be clear of this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, water, and I say to her, please give me a little water uh, from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, drink, and I will give, I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, uh, there was Rebecca speaking in my heart. There was Rebecca coming out uh, with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well to draw water. And I said to her, please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she uh, gave the camels a drink also. Then I said to her, then I asked her and said, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel. Uh, Naor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put a nose ring on her nose and bracelets on her wrists, and I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, who led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother uh, for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, Tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. It's a lot of reading there, but he's there. He tells him everything. I came. I did this. This is all that's happened. Abraham's blessings. I'm here on business is what he explains to them. And uh, he explains that as the, the as he was praying, he's praying in his heart to the Lord. And the Lord answered his prayer before he could even finish the prayer. And here she comes and this all happens. And uh, he says, yeah, I gave her the nose ring and everything. And then I worshiped the Lord. And now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, if not, I'm out of here. Do you tell me what direction I got to go left or right? I love this guy. You know, the servant explains a whole situation uh, and everything. And in verse 48, uh, he worshiped God for leading him in the way of truth. You know, we can always rest knowing that as we ask God to help us in glorifying him and honoring him in our service, he's going to bless us. He's going to always, always, uh, uh, you know, answer that. We There are things that we can pray for selfishly. When we pray selflessly, like, Lord, let you be glorified. How do I do this? Uh, look what happens. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And that's half of the verse, but it's an important one for us to know that as our hearts are set toward him, uh, he wants to show himself strong. And it might not be as quick and an obvious as answer as what we see here, but don't lose heart. You know, we can rest easy knowing that he will bless, lead, and guide us as we seek to do his will. Just don't get discouraged. Uh, and he said, verse 19, uh, for, sorry, 49, you know, if you'll deal, deal well and kindly with me, uh, great. If not, I'm out of here. You know, point me where to go. There's no time to waste. Um, you know, he's about his master's business, only about his master's business. Very important Christian message there. Are we about our father's business? You know, I'm not here to waste time. We can waste time and, and waste the talents he's given us, waste our lives 
uh, you know, having a discussion earlier before church, and I, um, I you know, on the radio at church uh, at work this week, I hear uh, CPRs in progress somewhere, and then they hear, I hear, he's up walking around. We gave him some Narcan, and I'm going, that man, his life was that close to over, that close to over, man. There's so much, so much that that this country is so. Uh, just so focused on self-indulgence if we focus on the Lord and especially as Christians that if we are conducting ourselves differently there that's it's impossible for people not to notice impossible I'm no longer that person that's you know talking this way acting this way going here going doing this thing it, it's it's going to be known then what's the difference hey well you know what's the difference I'm a Christian you know my life's changed God's going to use that, and he's going to bless us. He's going to give us opportunity to bless him and to glorify him. Verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the, this thing, uh, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, either good or bad. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let her be your master's son's wife. As the Lord has spoken, so Laban, uh, Laban seems uh, to be the man of the house here, and, and uh, determines uh, that this is from the Lord. And uh, because there's no mention of the father there, it's it's just Laban. Uh, I'm assuming that the father uh, has passed away, that Nahor uh, had passed away, or he he's just not there. So uh, God was at work, and it was uh, clear to all. And uh, uh, he makes the decision that they will obey God and give Rebekah to the servant. Verse, verse 52, and it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard the words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing. It gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men uh, who were with them, uh, ate and drank and stayed that they stayed all night and the morning uh, then uh, they arose in the morning and he said send me away to my master so Abraham's servant is elated and he responds in worship and that's the proper way to do that when the Lord has answered a prayer that we would worship him uh, we may not fall down uh, you know to the ground uh, in our culture and uh, people might look at us a little weird or whatever who cares but uh, you're probably gonna you know, startle somebody but in this culture very normal and uh, he's praising the Lord we can what we're often going to do is say uh, at a grocery store oh you got saved or your brother praise God you know, that's awesome. You know, that's that's a form of worship, of course, and uh, ascribing greatness to the Lord. And, um, you know, the servant blesses uh, servant blesses uh, Rebecca with, you know, gold and silver jewelry and clothing and blesses Laban and, and Bethuel also. And uh, then it was, uh, you know, then it was a night of celebration and rest. After everything had been confirmed, the celebration comes. Like, ah, you know, you kind of like, boys, let's see, you know, <laughs> that's what I see, you know, like. Before everybody sits down, this is what I'm here to do. We good? Boom. Let's eat. And then it's feast time, right? And no doubt there's talking, there's laughing. There's a, I bet they're up late at night. They're up late talking because, you know, you want to take our daughter. Let's talk. I mean, let's, uh, so tell me about Abraham. Tell me some story. So they're up. I, I have to believe this wasn't like a quick dinner. You know, this wasn't like a McDonald's trip. Like, hey, we got our nuggets and everything. We're done eating. You guys done eating? We're going to get back on the road. It was, hey, the work is done. 
let's relax let's 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 settle down and enjoy each other's company let's talk so they do and then they go to bed and first thing in the morning i love this guy first thing in the morning time to go and uh and and that's his response he's he's not wasting any time and uh he he he's ready to go and um you know that's uh, where we find uh, all of this uh, just developing here. So uh, verse 55, but her brother, as he says, let, you know, we're leaving, but her brother and her mother said, let the woman, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least 10. Uh, after that, she may go. And he said to them, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. So they called Rebecca and she said, uh, and, and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So Laban's shrewd business mind starts rearing its head. We see it a little bit. We're not going to dwell on it yet. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, so the servant isn't having any of it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm about my master's business. And uh, he says, do not hinder me uh, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may uh, go to my master. And, uh, you know, he brings the Lord right back to the center of the conversation. Don't stop me from obeying the Lord. You know, it's very important. Don't stop me. Do, you know, don't hinder me because, the, the, you know, the Lord uh, has prospered my way. And, and he brings the Lord right into the center. And there's no more argument. They just say, let's bring Rebecca. Let's see if she's willing to go. Uh, so they, they call her, and I'm sure they're going to miss her. You know, uh, takes That's a lot overnight. I can say if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I'm here to take your daughter, probably not going to be overnight uh, until, uh, unless the Lord does a miracle like he did. This is miraculous. What's happening here is miraculous. And, and they all come to that point, and Rebecca says, yeah, I'll go. You know, she's on board and, uh, you know, God had prepared her heart. It's not often uh, that they, uh, you know, that they had uh, this type of thing happen. And verse uh, 59, so they sent away uh, Rebecca, their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. And may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. So this blessing came to be, didn't it? You know, through her, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, as the Lord said. Verse 61. Then Rebekah and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahai Roy, uh, from, uh, for he dwelt in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. So, And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. And uh, for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The, ma uh, the servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. Isn't this just a romantic setting? You know, he's going out in the evening to meditate, to spend time with the Lord. She's riding the camel. Who is this? And she, she jumps off the camel. She puts the veil over her face and, and, and covers herself. And uh, verse 66, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Now, can you imagine the excitement, the fulfillment, mission accomplished? And he's able to go to 
Isaac, who is his master also. You know, Isaac, uh, Abraham is his master, but so is Isaac, the son, um, here. And uh, he goes and he's uh, elated to be able to, to share this. And, and verse 67, then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So they're on the way. They see all this happening. Uh, the, the camels are coming. He's out there. Perfect timing once again. You know, uh, as they're walking, he's coming out to meditate. He's coming out to spend time with the Lord. And as he's coming out to spend time with the Lord, here comes his bride. There is so much in here. I almost wish that that I had just spoke, uh, you know, shortly on 23 and we spent a whole week on this chapter because there's so much in here. But think of all the spiritual application of everything that we've got here. This is a man that's seeking the Lord by himself uh, in, in, his, in, in his own heart. And he goes out to meditate, to worship, on, uh, worship the Lord and just take some time. And uh, as he comes out, here comes his, his bride. And she puts her veil over her face and they get to meet and he marries her. And, you know, the, this, this, is, this is awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, from the loss of, of his mother, you know, he can now look forward to having a family of his own. And, uh, and, and the Lord is just blessing him. So this, uh, just to recap, you know, this servant was so blessed to play such a part in blessing Abraham, blessing Isaac, blessing Rebecca, um, you know, among others. Imagine being used that powerfully, that, that the Lord uh, would use us in, in those ways. Guess what? He does. He sends us. To the grocery store. He sends us to work or whatever. And this conversation starts opening up. And they're like, man, I just wish I knew, you know, what the meaning of life was. <laughs> Lord, should I be, you know, like I said, we don't need to throw the fleece out. Just have the conversation and just, you know, walk into it as you're, it's, it's scary to do so. But what can we do? Just like this guy does, just like Nehemiah did, just start praying internally to the Lord. God, give me an, an answer what I need to say next. And here it comes. And, and we see the great things that come from just being obedient and serving. Faithful in a little, you'll be faithful in much, right? Jesus said that in Luke chapter 16. You know, how, how did this man get to where he was? By being faithful in a little and then more and more and more. And then he's overseeing everything. And Abraham trusted him so much that he sent him out to do this. You know, I said that we would talk about if it was Eleazar or not. If it was, his name is God, my help. You know, that's really cool when you think of this story here. We don't know if it was or not. Um, uh, that doesn't, I guess, really matter who it was. But I want to serve like this guy did. I want to be that type of a, of a faithful servant. <clears throat> Man, this guy was all about his master's business. And Abraham trusted him to do everything. And, uh, and he did. Lastly, God is glorified above all. Every time something good happened, he's on his face glorifying God. And when Isaac comes out and he's like, what's going on here? Who's that? You know, that woman there and, you know, all these things. He's like, God is good. You know, and he's able to share. He wasn't like, yeah, man, I went right. I knew that was a place I got to be. And I knew, okay, when this one came, probably not that one. It was this one. It was he, he's able to tell everything uh, with great joy and excitement. You know, the Lord had, ex had uh, orchestrated this all. The Lord showed himself strong to the servant. He showed himself strong on behalf of Abraham and Isaac, Rebecca, the whole everybody saw the Lord orchestrating this. 
And there are so many lessons of uh, being a faithful servant, being obedient, trusting in the Lord, praying, and just moving forward. There's so much in here. Read it again. Pray and ask the Lord to speak to you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, you are so awesome. Ah, thank you for uh, such great lessons in faithfulness and obedience and trusting in you and of your power, Lord, your love. Ah, there's so much in here. Prophecy fulfilled. Ah, there's uh, so much here, Lord. Thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to chew on this. And just meditate on it and, and learn and, and be built up. It's, if we're meditating on this, how powerful you're going to minister to us and, and make us uh, better servants of our master, that we would be about your will, not distracted, not delayed in following you and doing what you carry, told us to carry out, uh, that we'd be so set on serving you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all. Have a great rest of your week.